Good morning. Decent looking crowd. Beautiful is a little extreme. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. Tommy gets a little excited sometimes. It's all right. Nothing wrong with that. The encourager. That's, that's what Tommy is in my mind, the encourager. Everybody has their roles to play, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I had uh, yesterday, I had a good day. Um, I'm sure you were wondering. Honestly, how good was it? Thank you. There we go. Honestly, I didn't think it was going to be a good day. I really didn't think it was going to be a good day because there were two two things happened yesterday. Um, Eldon Berry and Dick James, and and we ended up uh, having uh, their services were held uh, around the county yesterday. I was only at one of those because they were happening at the same time, and I thought it was going to be a bad day. I thought it was going to be a hard day. Um, but from one that I officiated and from everything I've heard from another one, the, the day was filled with, you know, sadness and mourning, but it was also filled with, with joy. And it was a great deal of peace went around inside of these services, remembering the lives of these two men. And in fact, as, as I was uh, participating in one, even I just, just, just with the family, I kind of got overcome with emotion, just this, this love that they had for him and uh, what he meant to them. And, and, and it truly was some good experiences in all of that. And so when, when we got done, when I got done, by the time I got home, I was actually, uh, I was in a better mood. Uh, than I was when I when I went there when I was on my way, um, but in any event, it just it just shows you that sometimes even in the bad times or dark days, uh, there can be a great deal of joy to be had. Uh, when I got home, uh, Sam and I had the chance to do a little bit of Christmas shopping. Um, it's a whole experience in itself. But uh, we were just two of us. We were walking around town, down in Columbus, and uh, we were there for a while. And off in the distance, we could see a uh, a candy shop, candy store. You know, and I could see it. I didn't know if Sam could see it, but I knew we were coming up on this thing. And I found out that he could see it because as we're walking by, he stops. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, "Dad, there's a candy store." He stops. He's holding my hand, he stops, he looks at it, then he looks at me, and he says, what do you think? <laughs> and I told him, I said, it's just the two of us, what do you think I think? He said, okay, let's go. <laughs> and so, I mean, we were ahead of schedule, we had a good hour or two to kill in this candy store if we wanted to, and so we both go, you know, holding hands, skipping up to the door. And right as we get, I mean, every, every store in this place is open, but right as we get there, I pull on the door and it's locked. It's closed. Can't get into the candy store. And I have never seen the collapse of joy, you know, in, in someone's life from just elation 
to just being destroyed with sadness, you know. And Sam didn't fare any better, you know. <laughs> Both of us, just a rough time. And so we thought, well, we can't do that. We might as well do what we came to do. We went ahead and did some, uh, some more Christmas shopping. That's the way joy is, it seems like, sometimes, though. And I, it's there today, gone tomorrow. And sometimes it seems like if, if the wrong thing happens in a moment or if someone just says the wrong thing, I don't know, I don't, it's like the magic that our joy just escapes. It's gone. It's like we, we just become a completely different person. Here today, gone tomorrow. Or here this moment, gone the next moment. We are told to define our lives by joy. We are told to use and have, acquire and retain joy in every moment of every day. And I know full well I'm not the only person in this room who's thought at some point that joy is here today and gone tomorrow. And then maybe it's going to come back the next day. So if that's what's going on in our heads, or at least that's what we think we experience in this life, we've got to ask the question, am I doing this wrong? What am I missing if I don't have this deep-seated, underlying joy in my life, even on the bad days, the hard days? Let's pray. Father, I thank you once again that we get to talk about these incredible these incredible fruits, these incredible definitions that we get to have in our lives. I thank you, Father, that you have given everyone in this room the right, the right to experience joy throughout their lives. And I I ask, Father, that today you help us to understand a little bit more, a little deeper meaning of what this joy is so that we can not just acquire it, but, but keep it, retain it in our lives and use it to identify us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to, one of the pursuits in your life I think you need to have is, we're already off script from last service. Anyway, one of the pursuits I want you to have is to look at words like joy and hope and peace and truly use those things to identify what and who you are. So much so that even folks around you look at your character, they look at your priorities, they look at how you carry yourself, they look at how you treat other people, they they just look at the peace that you have and they say, "I, I want what he's got. I want what she, I don't know how she's able to, I want that. That needs to be the definition of the person who has given their life to Jesus Christ. It is Christmas time. And around Christmas time, you probably hear, well, you probably hear a lot of things, but three words probably come up all the time, joy, hope, and peace. Joy, hope, and peace. And it just, it, it astounds me how at Christmas time you start seeing joy and hope and peace. Even, even Christmas cards will have joy, hope, and peace. And you give that card at Christmas time. You don't give that card in the middle of July. I don't know why you don't, but you don't. Which tells me we're doing this wrong. We've got an incorrect definition 
of what joy, hope, and peace is. And if we have an incorrect definition, then we're not going to be able to have it in our lives. Joy, hope, and peace at Christmas time. Three terms that get used so heavily this time of year. And frankly, they get abused this time of year. And again, it causes us to ask the question, are we doing it wrong? We talk about these things. Sometimes we don't feel them. Other times we wonder if we've achieved them only to be unsure the next day. Look, we know that bad things happen all the time, practically every day. We've talked about this before. All of us here are in one of three places. We're either right in the middle of a storm or just coming out of a storm or about ready to go into a storm that's on the horizon. That's pretty much where we live our lives. That's something I think we ought to accept if we're going to accept what real joy is. We need to know that these, this joy, this peace, and this hope cannot be based upon a life without trial or without adversity. Joy is not the same thing as absence of adversity. It's not the same thing as absence of trial. It's not the same thing as absence of hardship. You've got to stop thinking that or else you're never going to understand what joy is and you're certainly not going to have it defining your life. Joy, hope, and peace cannot be based on temporary circumstances. So what exactly are they? And I think once we know that and where they come from, perhaps we can have a better idea of how to live these things out. First, I want to start uh, this Christmas series with joy. And when I talk about this, know that all of these terms go together. All right? One strengthens the other, no matter where you want to put them and how you want to apply them in your life. One begets the other, which tells me that if I don't understand what joy is or if I don't try to pursue joy in my life, then I'm not going to be able to pursue hope and peace in my life either. Or or if I'm trying to have peace in my life but have no grasp of what it means to truly be joyful, I might as well forget about hope and peace because I'm not going to get the whole picture here. They all build and help one another. They're all, they're all different in and of themselves, but they're all working towards the same purpose. There's no, there's no hierarchy there. There's no order. Now, you may have an order in your mind as you're trying to figure this stuff out, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong there. Uh, but one of the problems with order is that we, we sometimes put a hierarchy on things. I'm going to focus on joy today, and I'm not going to focus on hope and peace. I'm going to focus on hope today, but I'm not going to care about joy or peace because hope is the most important thing or peace is the most important thing. Joy, And we start putting a rank to it when we have an order. I don't want us to put a rank to these things. They need to be... I can prove we do this, right? When you talk about the, the triune God, right? You usually say it the same way, right? God the... God the... God, the, and it's very tempting in our minds to think, well, there's a, there's a hierarchy there, which isn't the case. That's not true. This is all God, okay? So I, the point is, if you ask six, five different people what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, you're going to get six different answers, all right? So don't worry about those things. Uh, I'm beginning with joy today because it were, it, it, for a literary reason and also a logistical reason as we go through this series. Joy and gratitude go hand in hand. Joy and contentment go hand in hand. Joy and trusting Jesus, faith, go hand in hand. Joy and self-examination must go hand in hand. 
In fact, if you don't know who Jesus is and you don't, know, you don't think about Jesus and you don't trust Jesus and you don't talk to Jesus and you don't know anything there is to know about Jesus, you're not going to know anything there is to know about joy that defines your life. You're always going to lose it. Always. Think about that. Your entire life never experiencing what real joy actually is. It is based upon who Jesus is and what Jesus is and our relationship to him. Now, Webster's defines joy as the emotion evoked by a well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing something that you want. But I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in how Scripture defines joy, particularly in the, particularly in the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to be. It's a good place to be during Christmas. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8, but we're going to be jumping around uh, different places in Scripture. They'll all be on your screen. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields, nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. You've probably heard this one. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. That's an important thing to remember. Do not be afraid. And why? Why shouldn't we be afraid? Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I bring you good news. I bring you something today that you didn't know yesterday. That's what news is, new information. I'm bringing you new information that's going to not just enhance joy, not just correctly define joy, it's going to cause joy in your life and in the lives of those around you. I bring you good news. Here, the word joy is kara. It means Calm delight. More than that, it means an underlying gladness. That's what this is. An underlying gladness in your life. is defined by ones who do rejoice. Again, the above passage tells us that some sort of information is going to cause this underlying gladness in all things. Cheerfulness to all people. And I like how the angels say this, do not be afraid, but be joyful. On the front of your bulletin, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The angels say, do not be afraid, but be joyful. In other words, the opposite of fear, joy. The opposite of being scared and terrified. The opposite of closing down and shutting up and running away is joy, right? And all of these things going hand in hand with peace and hope. You can understand now, Paul's going to tell us here a little bit later on, how joy gives us strength. Strength of mind, strength of heart, strength of the will, strength of the spirit. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do not be afraid, but be joyful. Let us first determine what joy is not, okay? And this is probably why we get, you know, all confused by these things and why we walk around some days just thinking that the world is horrible, my life's horrible, and I can't stand this, and I hate you, and I'm out of here, and I'm, I just, you know, you know, don't talk to me. I'm angry, and I'm grumpy. I know none of you feel that ever. Maybe it's just me. Let's just determine what joy is not, okay? The joy we speak of in Scripture, the joy that the angels are talking about is not worldly joy. Worldly joy, by definition, is fleeting. It is not permanent. You cannot base your life on it. You can't base your value on it. You can't base your mission on it. And you can't base your purpose on it. 
See, we have an incorrect definition of joy. Just listen to some of the commercials and some of the, you know, the things that we hear around this time. An incorrect definition of joy. Solomon tried this out for us. See, we are very fortunate because we have somebody in history who actually tried to find joy. He experimented with life to see where true joy and contentment and peace and hope All of this gratefulness came from this calm. He experienced, he experimented with it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he said, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. This is pretty much what he does throughout the whole book, by the way. This is what Solomon does. Test this, check this, experiment with that to find out in life what the purpose of life is. What we're meant to be doing. That's the entire book of Ecclesiastes. There you go. All right. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. What does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. In other words, I knew what I was doing here. I'm running the experiment. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Think about this. Think about, in your own mind, what's going to cause contentment? What's going to cause peace? What's going to cause this underlying joy in your life? Just, we all have pictures of this. What would it be? Now think, now I want you to hear what Solomon says. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself, the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this, by the way, just bear in mind, my wisdom stayed with me. I knew what I was doing here. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor. Even that was fun. It took delight in all my labor. And this was a reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve... Everything was meaningless, empty. This is going to be it, right? If I take that new job, if I marry that other person, if I split up this relationship, this is going to be it if I move to this place. Or if I can pay that bill. Or if I can acquire this stuff. Solomon said, read through, you ought to read through the book. Solomon says, I have done it all. And it's meaningless. It left me with no joy. And if I don't have any joy, then I'm not going to have any peace and hope to boot. It left me empty. A chasing after the wind. After trying and seeking the pleasures, after acquiring more than anyone, he felt empty. This joy that he was looking for, and this may be the same way you see it in your own minds, 
the joy he was looking for was as elusive as grasping at smoke, which is really a better way to translate this than meaningless. Grasping at smoke, hevel, hevel. In other words, it's there. I can see it. I've heard about it. I see its effects. I see it in people's lives, but I can't hang on to it. I can't hang on to this joy I'm looking for after trying everything. You ever felt that way? I've felt that way. I've looked at people before, and I've said, well, how can they acquire what I can't acquire? How can they keep what I can't keep? It is in that moment, which I've done, it's in that moment you have to tell yourself you are looking at the wrong thing, man. You know that a relationship with Christ and only that brings us incredible joy. You are just looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, I've told people, some, I, just as an example, I've told people, people have talked to me about quitting a job before, and I've said, yeah, you know, hey, you want to quit a job, go quit a job. I don't care, do something else. But don't use that to define you. In fact, if you're going to quit a job, don't quit a job on your worst day. Quit a job on your best day, you know, your best season, and then decide if that's something you want to do. Because if you're looking for a new job or a new place or a new relationship or new this or new that to help define you and then bring you this joy that's so elusive, you're still going to have it slip right through your hands. The joy we seek has got to be from a deeper well, a larger source. You see, we need to look at the right thing, to have the right perspective in order to know a sustainable joy, even on the hardest days. Because we can't have joy on the hardest days. I, I experienced a little bit yesterday, I'm kind of walking around with Sam, just seeing weird things and seeing things that with the wrong perspective would just kind of, I'm reading, seeing, watching stuff would just be, filled me with anger and would fill me with sort of a, uh, uh, you know, I would be upset about some of the things I'm reading and seeing and all this stuff. And the only thing I'm doing is I'm walking around, I'm just kind of chuckling, I'm just kind of laughing to myself, you know? Because the, the anger and the rage and looking at the lives of other people is not what I was focusing on. What I was focusing on was the joy that knowledge of Christ gives me, even in the face of a fallen world. You gotta laugh to yourself sometimes. We're meant to have joy even on the hardest days. Matthew 5. Blessed are you when people insult you. That's what I've always thought when people insult me, right? It's an easy thing. Blessed are you, says Jesus, when people insult you or persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. What is rejoice? Rejoice is the result of a life filled with joy. Rejoice. When everybody in the room hates you, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Why? For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You ought to read through the lifestyle of the prophets. They had nothing. You ought to read about the love and respect that Jesus has for John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a crazy guy that lives out in the desert. That's what he is. And yet Jesus has this reverence for these uh, prophets that have gone before. And he says, look, you might be the most hated guy in the room. But if you're doing the right thing, if you love me for who I am, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he says, blessed are you because you're in some good company. You ought to find joy in that. Rejoice in those things. 
James chapter 1 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's usually not my go-to thought when I face a trial. James says you better start thinking about this as joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And what is perseverance going to do? Persevere, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Love, hope, joy, peace, all of these wonderful things. Will you just let the trial and the perseverance finish its work? You want to know why we don't have joy? Because we quit in the middle of the workout. That's what we do. We do two things. Number one, we do everything we can to avoid the workout, or we quit in the middle of it. That's what struggle is. That's what trial and hardship is. And James tells us, would you just let perseverance work itself out? Because at the end of that, you are totally going to have this total consumption of joy, of peace, and hope. Because you've walked through, you've done the hard stuff, you've faced the trial and the flame, and you haven't spent your entire time making excuses and trying to get out of it, saying how much you hate life. Go through the exercise. You know, there's a phenomenon when you work out. (laughs) So I've been told. um, People tell me this. That it is very, very difficult when you start. Not that much I do know. But then, somewhere during this program, you begin to notice the results of your labor. Suddenly, you get a new win. You get an added excitement to continue on with what you're doing, to continue on with this program, to continue on with this exercise, to continue on with working out. Again, these are stories I've heard from reputable sources. And the same is true when you're going through the trials and struggles of this life. You begin, if you stick with it, if you think about Jesus and how much he loves you, if you think about the fact that you've already won through Jesus Christ, if you don't give up, you don't try avoiding these things, you don't ask for peace and ease and comfort in life, you ask for courage and strength to see it through. Now you're going to understand what joy is, real joy is. After all, if you don't face the trial and the hardship and the pain and the suffering, the sadness and the loss, are you going to understand the joy anyway? You've got to go through it. It's part of it. You don't have to want it. You don't have to wish, but you don't have to ask for it. But you've got to be faithful through it. It's the workout. This joy can quite literally be our strength in these trials, Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. You have to know this is coming from David, and David faced more trials than you and I will ever think about. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise Him. The Lord is the strength of His people, a fortress of salvation for His anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. From the words of David, David's life was one big struggle. That's all it was. One big hardship, one right after the other. And he knew what joy was because he knew who his God was. He knew who he was because he knew who his God was. 
So what is this news that brings joy? And what perspective must we have in order to recognize joy in our lives? Luke chapter 2, continuing on in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That's the news. Do you want to raise? Hmm? See, I think we have a hard time finding joy because we want to raise. That's what I think. I think we look at our lives and it's hard for us to be joy-filled because we want to raise. Have you ever thought about having a raise? you ever wanted a raise? you ever asked for a raise? And you know how it goes, Right? You put in your time, you put in your effort, you see the results, and then you see the paycheck, (laughs) and it doesn't measure up. You say to yourself, this is not enough. I desire and I deserve more. By the way, if you want a raise, go for it. Doesn't make any difference. Get the raise. Lay out your case first, and then acquire more. That is your wage. That's your wage. That's the agreement. That's what you've earned. That's your wage. See, the reason joy is so elusive is because we treat our life like the wage. We treat what Jesus did for us like our wage. Let me ask you this. What about Christmas time? Have you ever received a gift, handed it back to the giver, and said to the giver, this is not enough, I deserve more? I hope not. Now, if you're like me, you may have received a gift thinking, once you leave, I'm just going to throw this out. Right? Regift it? That's right. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe you have. Maybe not. This is a gift. You see, this is given out of love. And that's why it's through a gift we experience joy rather than entitlement or disappointment. This is why through a gift we experience contentment rather than discontentment. It's this gift that represents love, the fact that you have value, incredible value in the life of someone else. By the way, I don't get too many gifts from strangers. I get gifts from people who know me, who love me, who care about me. A true gift is not a wage. A true gift is not something you have earned. It's not something you're guaranteed. In fact, if you think about it, the one who gives the gift is the one who earned it. The one who gives the gift is the one who earned it. Your life's a gift. You want to walk around morose, filled with sadness, hatred, all the ugliness? You don't understand what a gift is. You didn't build your life, and you sure didn't save your life. I didn't cause me to come into being, but I'll tell you what, I've won. Not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is. And he said, I want you. I want you to be with me forever. So you're going to slog through some hard times, John, but be joyful. Because you and I are living together forever. That's where your joy comes from. If you're going to base it on a good day or a bad day, joy is going to elude you your entire life. If you're going to base it on the fact that somebody likes you or hates you, you're going to, joy is going to elude you your entire life. Joy is based on the fact that you are known, you are saved, you are protected, you are died for by Jesus Christ, Creator, God, and King. And you live forever. I don't want you to wake up tomorrow wondering if your life has been won. You won. You give your life to Jesus. 
He won it for you. He earned it. Without Jesus, you have nothing. If you don't have any joy and you don't know Jesus, I'm not surprised. If you don't have any hope, you don't know Jesus, I'm not surprised. There is no hope, no joy, no peace. Without Jesus, there's no guarantee of victory. Without Jesus, every day is rightly confusion, uncertainty, fear of dying, fear of making mistakes. With Jesus, all those things are gone. Your life is not a wage, it's a gift that ushers you into eternity with Jesus where there is no want, there's no tears of sorrow, no hatred, no anger, no selfishness, no pain, no imperfection. This is what awaits you. Why do you think Paul is able to share his joy with the Philippians while he's writing to the Philippians in prison? Because he says this, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In fact, he goes so far as to tell the people on the outside of prison, I wish you would share in my joy. At the beginning of that chapter, verse 1, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Why? Because it is a safeguard for you. Your joy protects you. It gives you strength. That's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. Protects your heart, protects your mind, protects your will, protects your spirit. The joy, the decision of joy is our very strength. It's that perspective that gives us strength on our worst days. It's that perspective that allows us to sing songs and allows us to appreciate victories. It's that perspective, church, that allows you and me to make mistakes and know that we've still won. That's what Jesus is. I'm loved by God. And this flesh may fail. This flesh may screw up all the time. May make mistakes. But God ain't going to let me go. Love me, hate me. That's up to you. I'm loved by God, cherished by God. Romans 8, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, if you can't find joy, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at you. You're looking at your trial. You're looking at your adversity instead of the fact that you are created by God in the image of God to serve God and live with God for all eternity. That's a win in my book. There's where your joy comes from. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how, we not, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who then can bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Look at the next two words. We skip over those words too quickly. No one. In Christ Jesus, nobody condemns you. Christ Jesus died. More than that, was raised to life and is at the right hand of God interceding for us. You know where ultimately our joy comes from? I think it can really be summed up. The right perspective, the right source of joy, the right reason that we can have joy is in John chapter 16. And and, and it's kind of a, it's a line that we don't think of. We don't talk about really, I guess, a whole lot. But it carries with it such incredible weight when we think about the joy that we could be defined by in this life and in this world. John chapter 16, after laying out for his disciples all the hardships of life, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I told you these go together, right? So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, says Jesus. I've overcome the world. There's your joy. There's your joy. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for the love you've given us. We thank you, Father, that we can gain joy through our knowledge of the victory through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, in light of that, we do not ask for ease. We do not ask for comfort. We do not ask for the absence of trial. We ask for courage and strength to see through this perseverance that changes us, that builds us, that creates us, that makes us into this, this eternal being that you love. Father, we ask that you make our priorities sound, that we have our eyes always upon Jesus Christ, upon a God and Father who loves us and created us in his own image to live with us forever. God, we love you for that. We thank you for that. We know this is not a wage. We know that we have gained this through a gift. Make it, put it on our hearts to accept this incredible gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, well this happened. Something exciting must be going on. Yeah? Something exciting. All right, let's see. If you'd like to stand, join us. Yeah, for a minute, we're going to sing, Oh, Come All You Feet.
Well, hey, Elon, you're probably really cold right now. Hold on just a second. Hey, Elon, come here for a second. Hey, Michael, come on up here for just, just a second. One more time, we got, we got two of our youngsters who, by the way, are saved for all eternity. And it's not just their lives that this affects. It's the lives of their parents. It's the lives of their peace and their joy as well. So, Michael and Elon, right? Congratulations. All right. You all are dismissed. I want you to remember a couple of things. The 19th, the kids are singing and we're caroling. I also want you to remember our uh, Christmas Eve service, 4.30 and 6 o'clock. If you want to carol, uh, just be here on the 19th. And I also hope you're going to be here uh, on Christmas Eve. So have a good week. Oh, yeah. Kids are going through there. Make sure, parents, if you want to pick them up, pick them up there. That's right. We'll throw them in the back of the truck.